Good morning, everyone. I am Kim King. I am coming to you from Zionsville United Methodist Church, where I am the pastor of worship and wellness. And joining me is my friend and colleague, Jamalyn Pay Williamson. Good morning, to everybody. Good morning. Hey, everybody. I am the pastor of Connections, and we're excited to bring you one thing more where we continue the conversation from Sunday sermon. And it was a good one this Sunday. It was confirmation Sunday. The whole service was amazing. Jamalyn, I really did not great. grow up um, United Methodist. And of course, I know what confirmation is, but I wonder how many people really don't um, know what that is because they didn't grow up Methodist or they didn't grow up going to church. You did get confirmed in the United Methodist Church. Can you share with our listeners? I did. You know, I started going to a United Methodist Church in junior high. Um, and I think my first year would have been when they typically did confirmation. But I went to a um, small rural church um, on the south side of Terre Haute. And our church um was part of like a two-point charge kind of so like our pastor was the associate at the bigger church down the street and so he would do probably like i'm guessing a i don't know a nine o'clock service or something and then at our church and then he would hop in the car and i think he would go down to the bigger church and be the associate for like their second service or something anyway and then he helped with the youth group but because it was a smaller church, we always got the newer pastors straight out of seminary. And so when I started in eighth grade, I didn't join that confirmation class. So when I did it my ninth grade year, I was the only one at our church that was confirmed. But so, you know, I most times in the United Methodist Church, we... Um, we try to help parents understand that infant baptism is a decision they're making for their child as a way of bringing their child into the congregation and in a lot of ways giving their child over to the congregation it's their way of um, getting their child started on a path towards discipleship discipling as we've talked about but um and so we as United Methodists, we believe in infant baptism. And then we understand that at a point in that child's life, they will be asked to confirm their baptism, their their faith in God. And so then that's what was happening this weekend. But for me, and we had one child who was baptized before her confirmation, I was baptized and confirmed at the same time. So you don't, parents don't have to baptize their children as infants. Um, it's funny when Dave and I were, you know, had Margaret, Dave was baptized as an infant. I was not. He kind of liked the idea for her to make the decision. And I was like, no, I wish I had been baptized as a baby. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we will get into infant baptism now, but that's what confirmation is. And they go through all of the classes some it depends every church is a little different ours is i think four or five months every sunday and they learn about service and what it means to be part of the church and what it means to be a believer and all of that stuff so it's really 
you know, leading up into the, until this big Sunday. And I was trying to remember my very first confirmation class. Have you ever taught confirmation? I taught it at Roberts Park. Yeah, I did it at Roberts Park as the associate. It was my responsibility. I think I had six kids and we really had fun together. We did study, you know, what it means to be Methodist, but we also uh, went to um, Temple. Um, and oh, that's right. So Margaret's Day again. And look at other other religious traditions, too, so that they can know, you know, how Christianity is different and the same and be sure that they're choosing what it is that they want to choose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think my very first one was when I was a seminary student. And um, I hope I did those kids right. I don't know. Oh, you did, I'm sure. That, that age, though, the thing is, I think they're at that age where they, they're filters, they don't have much, you know? So they, they're going to ask you the questions that they want to ask for the most part, especially if you already have a relationship with them, which normally the person teaching confirmation, yeah. the kids know them from, you know, they didn't just meet them yesterday, so... It, it's well, they just met me the day before we started more or less. So, okay. Okay. I mean, I was like a student from down the street, and half of them were UNC fans, so they didn't even trust me being a Duke like, student. So. The permanent sub for this. Yeah, I know. Um, I just remember I took them on a retreat to the to a lake house, and I that's about all I can remember. Well, I think um, that your little church was willing to do it for one kid speaks to the importance of confirmation in the United Methodist Church, that it really is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And um, I do have a funny, can I tell you a quick funny confirmation story? Um, So again, this pastor was his very first appointment out of um, Candler down at Emory in Atlanta. He came in with his wife and um, they were so young. Oh my gosh, they were so young. I think about that now. Anyway, I would go down to the big church for confirmation class, Uh and um, he taught it. And there were like eight or nine of us in the class, I think. And he was talking about, in the book of Acts, when they're trying to decide what to do with being able to baptize Gentiles and who have not been circumcised. And I'm like down at the end of the table and I can't even figure out why this is a big deal because I don't know what circumcision is. (laughs) So there's this brand new cute little pastor and I'm like, what's circumcision? And his face got so red, so embarrassed. And he was like, "Um, ask your parents when you get home tonight. (laughs) And I was like, what? What is it? It still cracked me up. So, um, but we had the service and, you know, it is the, it is an, such a good example of how confirmation is important in the United Methodist Church. It also says so much about this small rural church that just wrapped their arms around me. Um, at the time, my parents were not attending church regularly and I was going on my own every Sunday with my best friend, Janine. And Janine and I would go with her brother, Greg, the three of us just went on her own without parents and they saw this kid who wanted to be confirmed and you know I had this whole service was wrapped around me confirming my faith in Jesus Christ and my baptism and it was kind of amazing to me that people would want to give me so much attention in my own faith 
Um, and I also remember that I got to pick the closing hymn. Oh. And I just thought, basically, I did the sermon. <laughs> you know, like to me, picking the final, I picked He Lives. He Lives. He Lives. Still today, my favorite, one of my very favorite hymns. But anyway, so it just kind of helped put me on my path, really, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's in the summer. Yeah, Dave, well, first of all, I think it's really, really, at the, I think Dave started out the summer saying um, that in the um, the book, what the soul, what the soul needs, but I think soul he, he, yeah, he, he quoted somebody else, Dallas Willard, said churches would do yeah. seminars on how to bless and not curse. That is a perfect example on how to bless. Like just yes. wrap your arms around someone and then blessing is not just a word. Dave said blessing is a projection of good into the life of another. I mean, that's a yeah. perfect example of that, you know. Yeah, and it's blessing. true. And I have talked so much about that church. It's not open anymore. It makes me sad. It closed. And it's funny, like they they just thought I was like a, a freshman, you know, like they I was 15 they did, or 14, I was 14, but the church closed. And I always wondered, like, I would have loved to have gone back and have preached and been like, you guys launched me into the world and I'm a pastor now, you know? I mean, and I still consider that my official home church. Um, Anyway, it just makes me sad that it's closed now, but it served its purpose for one person, right? For sure. And probably, I bet we could find other people with similar stories of blessing from that congregation. Like you said, I think earlier we were chatting and there are some really cool things about a small congregation, you know, and their ability to wrap their arms around people. But I also, you know, would give Zionsville a pat on the back because more than one person has said to me, that they felt really welcomed and welcome, not overwhelmed, because I think sometimes a welcome can be overwhelming to folks. Yeah. But I think people feel a warmness at Zionsville. You know, I I always say I want people to feel like they're in my living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if we, Dave and I have people over to our house, we're not following them around the entire time they're at our house, you know, yeah. Come in, have a seat, make yourself at home. I want people to feel like they can do that as well. Along the lines of confirmation, I want now all those kids to feel like this is their home, you know, that they get to have freedom to explore and grow and lead in a way in, 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 their, lo- in their church. And I do think that that's one of the things that I love about our church is it is a larger church for sure, but we do a really good job of carving out places for people to feel at home and seen mm-hmm. so that they have an opportunity to find their place in God's story for sure. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the quote too that Dave's, um, shared from the new interpreters bible commentary Mm -hmm. that about how um when god and jacob are wrestling and god won't let go Mm. um 
and that it affirms a divine commitment to stay with Jacob in the struggle. And then it the quote says, God will be caught up in this relationship. God's promise involves not a passive presence, but an active, engaged relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think so often um, when great things happen to us, when we experience blessings, you know, I've heard people say, oh, that was all God. And I, and I believe that obviously what I really want people to not forget about is the wrestling that happens <laughs> before the goodness. And that part of that wrestling is trying to figure out, you know, what, what good are you going to project into the life of another? You know, so it takes a while to kind of figure out what do I have to again, launch into the world. And that's what I really hope the confirmands will be thinking about, you know, they each have been given such unique traits and each one of them has something, some kind of blessing in them that they'll have an opportunity to project out into the life of others. Um, so I'm always just kind of curious what's going through their head when they're sitting there, whether it, is this going to be over soon or where was I supposed to stand, you know, or if it's, you know, really listening to what it means to wrestle with God um, on things. Yeah. And I would imagine it's all of those things that are happening at any given time. And um, they are, they're so young, but the seed has been planted and they've been rooted in something that I think will always be available for them. So yeah, that's the beauty of it. And, you know, think about Jacob. I mean, Jacob came into the world with really the same blessings that his brother was going to get. I mean, I know it's in the story. It's like Esau is going to get everything, but I don't think it was exactly like that. I think he would have been an heir to some of his father's riches too but you know he got caught up in being jealous and needing to be first and all yeah. the things and that was a really circuitous is that the word where you like go the windy road to get back oh yours. Uh-huh. i mean look at all the stuff he had to do because of his jealousy and god was always there with him yeah my mom made a comment that I thought was kind of funny. She was like, you realize that Dave preached this sermon um, when the coronation is happening over in England? And I was like, oh, that's really true. She's like, I think (laughs) Prince William and Jacob are the same people. (laughs) That's a really... I mean, he wrote his... His um, his memoir is called Spare, mm-hmm. you know, and Jacob just didn't want to be the spare. Right, right. But I always say, too, about that story, and we're coming up on Mother's Day, that Rebecca had a ginormous hand in the whole thing, and she could have course-corrected that whole thing. 
She but for whatever reason, she didn't like that her husband was going to be the one to give the blessing to the child. She was not consulted on what was going to be happening. And so it, I kind of feel like it's one of the first women lived moment we see in the Bible where Rebecca's like, uh-uh, I'm going to have a decision in this, not just you. I, I that, that would be a super interesting conversation at some point to look at <laughs> the women and see how they were able to, in a society where they were powerless, uh, exert some power and authority. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was the puppeteer in that whole thing, which really set Jacob on this crazy path. Right. You know? Your mom is saying, hey, go do this. <laughs> what are you going to do? If he had spent all his time in the tents, he's super close with his mom. He's not going to like say, I don't know, mom, this doesn't seem like the right thing. Right. Plus, if your mom's saying go do it and all you think is if I get that blessing, I'm the one in charge. And the boy that's been in the tents, who I'm sure was made fun of, yep. is now the one in charge. You know, why would he not want that power and position? Yep. Of course he wants it. Yep. Yeah. So Rebecca decided she was gonna take matters into her own hand. I mean, it's really just again, I always tell people for me. The Bible comes down to two things, power and love. And most times, power, people get caught up in that. They forget about the love part. Yeah. And she wanted her son, who probably she felt like would have been, would have taken care of her no matter what. Oh, yeah. To be the one in charge. And instead, all she did was send him away. Yep. Yep. For a long, long time. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really interesting. Um, and then he goes off and his father or cousin is, was it his cousin? Yeah. His, yeah. He's not nice to him. No, like I mean, oh, uncle. That's right. And now, is that his mother's brother or? Yes, his mother's brother. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he. <laughs> Turns out Jacob's mom and her whole family did not exactly do anything for love for him. Now, granted, when he left, Laban, he had tons more stuff than he showed up with. But After at what cost? 14. Like 20 years, though. 20 years, yes. By the time he had to work to marry um, Rachel, which he married Leah, then he had to work again to marry, I mean... And then he had to work again to be able to take, I mean, it's just like yeah, crazy to me. Um, do you think he ever developed muscles? I think it's so funny, these pictures oh, yeah, that they show of Esau, like, who's like this ginormous guy. It's like some kind of diet. I love the one, the, the <laughs> uh, picture that uh, debuts Sunday because uh, Esau had like, like a, bear like a bear skin growing out of his yes. chest <laughs> and yeah uh, jacob was yeah. a tiny little man it cracked me up um i'm like surely he eventually developed all muscles i mean the guy had to work i think he was probably a late bloomer you know he probably ended up being the least taller maybe not hairier but taller <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah i do think 
Um, it's kind of fascinating. And then, you know, you think about Rebecca again, she had this opportunity to project good into the life of another. And I'm sure she thought maybe that's what she was doing, that she was going to help her beloved son get a blessing that he, she thought, I don't know, but it's just really interesting to me that that decision she made put her son, who she loved, on a 20-year exile course, more or less. And the son who she, you know, I mean, Esau was gone a lot, hunting, gathering, like, I mean, she didn't even have an opportunity. Apparently to... becoming a bear. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like Teen Wolf before that was a thing. He was totally. Um, so it's just the whole family dynamic part of it is super interesting too, like how people form alliances and triangulations and, you know, yeah. I could get into that whole therapy talk thing, but that would be a fascinating family to do it. A genogram on. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, you know, people will, but, oh, just real quick. I also think I can remember when we, when I was like starting to really study the Bible and all that, just constantly being confused about Jacob and Israel. Like, why are they two different names? Um, and when I read this story, I like I had been studying and I'm like, why are they called Israelites? Like, where did that come from? And then reading the story, I'm like, Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense. I feel like people should really start here <laughs> before they like jump into Isaiah or something like that because you don't understand what's happening. Um, but Jacob and Israel are the same person, just for our listeners, if they're wondering. Yeah, which is really interesting, too, because he starts out, you know, I mean, names meant a whole lot there. I and mean, people spent a lot of time thinking of deciding what your name was going to be. And he was, yeah. you know, hooked onto the hill of his brother, but through all the trial and tribulation and mistakes and curses and blessings, he becomes, you know, Israel. Yeah. And so the moral of that story is there is nobody in the world who is not redeemable. Oh, absolutely. And you know, everyone is redeemable and everyone has something good in them to project to the world, no matter what people tell you. Yeah. So go forward, you do it. Yes. Huh? So we're all created in the image of the divine. So yeah, go bless. Go bless and go do it. I hope you uh, have a great day. You are a blessing to me. Thank you so much. Like and. Bye. Um, we'll talk to you next week. All right. I'll right. talk to you next week. And I guess uh, happy Mother's Day to people. Oh, happy uh, Mother's Day. Yes. And Dave and I are sharing the sermon this Sunday. Yes. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> it, all right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.